welcome to Conspiracy Dimensions, everyone. Joining me, as always, are my partners, Ralph and Bevo. It's going to be a good topic tonight. We're going on a new one. This is going to be lost civilizations. We're going to be talking about a lot of ancient cultures and technologies and cities that don't fit the uh, normal mainstream timeline. First, we're going to start off with some headlines. Ralph, you want to bring us in for the headlines there? Yeah, we're going to start in Vienna, in Austria. And there's a, a guy which is... Uh, extreme right uh, spectrum of, of politics. And uh, the thing is here in Europe, uh, if you take uh, immigration from uh, countries where there's war or catastrophe or something, as soon as the, their home countries of the Im immigrants are safe again, you, you can uh, send them back. So this guy from Vienna, he's uh, 84 years old. Uh, he uh, was writing letters to the government and says like, oh, uh, now as the war in Afghanistan is over and we removed all our troops, we can send all the immigrants back. And uh, um, to prove this, he went to, to Afghanistan to show that, that uh, Afghanistan is safe. And now he's in the prison of the Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess he got the message across there. <laughs> Even though it wasn't the message he wanted, he definitely sent the message. Then, yeah, and, and and now he's whining and he's writing uh, again letters to to the embassy or uh, to to the, to his Austrian government that they uh, please uh, uh, try to to get him free, <laughs> which is not so easy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, and then I've got something, and this is my, my favorite news of the week. Uh, Self-proclaimed gay furry hackers breach nuclear lab. What? what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a hacker group, which uh, uh, official name is Siege Sec. And, uh, but they call themselves gay furry hackers. Guy and... <laughs> Okay. And they attacked the nuclear research hub in uh, uh, Idaho, the National Laboratory, INL. And uh, you know what they demand? What? Research into creating real-life cat girls. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck? So, Ralph, we, they definitely did break into the, the nuclear hub. We're sure of that, right? Yes. Okay, and, I'm and wondering. They, okay, they they stole uh, data from the people working there, and uh, research data, and um, they said like if they don't start researching on cat girls, they will publish this. <laughs> This is ridiculous. I'm wondering, I, I, I'm not saying that the hack wasn't real, but I'm wondering if the demands are real. And I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with 4chan, but 4chan started off a long time ago and it was an, a place filled with hackers. So it became kind of their own little message board website. And they used to do stuff like this quite often. And I'm wondering if they did that just to do it and then actually the demands were completely bs because they will constantly go off using things like on furries and on you know lgbt communities they just they attack them all the time because they're they're like their highlight is just to be jerks you know what i mean so they're hackers with a real 
dickhead sense of humor. And I'm wondering if it was these guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, way back when I was younger, I was at uh, 4chan a lot as well. And one of my favorite stories was uh, they hacked into CCTV uh, cameras. And uh, one was in a pizzeria in in the back room. And they saw a guy uh, masturbating, one of, one of the people cooking the pizzas, masturbating to porn on the computer in the back room. <laughs> And then one guy on Fortune said, like, area, if you give me the exact address, I'm going to go there and I'm going to uh, ask what they are doing in the back room. <laughs> so he went there and streamed it live. Oh, my God. Yes. And, and uh, the guys from the pizzeria <laughs> chased him down the street. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Just to give our listeners an idea of some of the stuff that these guys do, they they don't work as – they're not a group. They're, it's just a group of guys and, and, and people, and they do stuff like this all the time. I'll tell you one of my favorite 4chan stories to make me believe that it was possibly some of these guys who did the article that you just talked about was – one time they had, it was, uh, I think it was Taylor Swift who had a online survey and she said, listen, I'm doing a uh, free concert for any college in the U.S. that uh, has the most votes. So if you vote for your college online, the one with the most votes, she was going to do a free show. The thing was, there was no restrictions to it, and you didn't have to prove that you went to the college. So what they did was they all voted for the exact same college in Boston, and it turns out it was a college for the deaf and hearing impaired. (laughs) (laughs) So she obviously didn't do the concert, but these guys are known for doing crap like that. Yeah, it's fantastic. I still remember when uh, there was in McDonald's, uh, you could put your own burger together, and then they, uh, you could vote uh, which burger they should do. And they did the McFab, which was just mayonnaise <laughs> on 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 the sandwich. <laughs> a McFab. So yeah, as, as per your last article, I'm wondering if this was the same groups of like if this was part of that group of guys that did it because they have the technical know-how to hack a nuclear site but they're also a bunch of jerks sometimes so another article uh the ai babies are coming it's um it's babies made out uh made from realistic silicon and um now uh with the technology with, with ai uh, you can make them learn so you can teach your silicon baby and I mean it's not growing but it, it uh, you can it starts to cry and so on it makes now sounds and, and all this stuff so whoever wants to have a baby without the responsibilities uh, soon is the time so now you yeah, can, you I was can... looking at that article too, Ralph, and that was kind of freaking me out. I don't my my point is is that I can see it being used for some good, but I can see it being used for the wrong reasons too. I'm not sure if I'm a hundred percent on board with that product yet, but yeah, it's just a full AI baby, and I looked at them, and if you see them on the 
uh, the product's website. I mean, they have videos of it. They look real. They, they look, they move, they have all the uh, abilities that, you know, uh, feeding and going to the bathroom and everything else that our real baby has. They can put this together and now they're putting them together with AI so that they learn some things. I don't know, man. It, it was just kind of a weird one for me. Yeah, it's super creepy. It's um, and and of course uh, the results come with pedophiles and so on because oh, this is yeah. this is kind of sick. I'm gonna say because so now oh, you can. Oh, I did not fucking think of that. Yeah, neither did I. Until that yeah, is when I yeah. Read this article. This was something like yeah. This is this opens the door for people, which uh, yeah, probably the company does not want this customers. But how can you prevent this? Yeah. Yeah, I never thought of it from that direction. To be honest with you, the the direction I thought of it was if somebody has lost a child, it might be a good therapy tool to help them get past that grieving process. On the other side of it, I thought it also might be a replacement, you know, and you would never successfully get through the entire grieving process because you would be stuck at that phase. So that was what I meant by I'm not sure if I'm endorsing the product or not. I, I could see it going either way. I never thought of pedophilia, but yeah, that's a real that's a real concern, man. Shit, that's really bad. So so, yeah. so now a bloke can have a and to end the news round, uh, there's a woman in Australia, Evelyn Miller, and. Uh, she got the perfect work life uh, <laughs> yeah work life balance uh, as she's born with two vaginas um damn she's using uh, one vagina she she's working oh. as an escort and she's married so uh, in an interview she said she's using one vagina Wow. And then she fi she figured it out uh, when she uh, uh, got her period. She used the tampon like everyone else, but it did not stop the bleeding. So she needed two for every vagina one. And uh -huh. now she's she's very popular. She of course she's at only friend uh, fans, and and yeah, you can uh, rent her. She's traveling the whole world. That uh, is really crazy. <laughs> yes. That's just bizarre. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, uh, the 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 it's called uterus didophus. What she has, and uh, she can get pregnant uh, twice at the same time. Holy shit! That is crazy, man. And her Holy husband crap. is okay with it. As long as she uh, uh, saves the one vagina for him. Okay, that is really <laughs> bizarre, man. I have no idea how I would feel about that, boy. That is really strange. Yeah, and that was the news of the week. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks for headlines, Ralph. That was some good ones this week, man. <laughs> so anyway, moving on to our main topic for tonight is going to be lost civilization. So... What we were doing here was we had done uh, lost technologies and stuff. We had, t we had talked about this for a while. And what we wanted to bring up was some different locations around the world that don't fit our mainstream academic line for our his historical timeline. So 
in our historical timeline, we draw a straight line from the, let's call it cavemen, right to us. And we say, yep, you know, we history started at this particular time. These were all the different species of humans that evolved. And we went from hunter-gathering to agricultural and started setting up more and more stable societies. Yet, there are a lot of things in our timeline that don't actually match with that. And we've had suspicions about this for a while because one of the main ones was the pyramids where you have things like, so through what we know of for our technology, our technology will advance over certain periods of time. It doesn't matter what it is. We've seen each other. We've seen our, our species move through metal societies into from one age to another where we're using better and better metals. And if you look at Egyptian history, they claim to be using these particular tools that didn't change for the entire 3,000 years of that empire. And yet everything around them had changed and they, they adapted and they evolved with different technologies all over the place, but it seemed like the tools just stayed the same. And in order to do that, it, it would say that that one particular field was stagnant. So it didn't really fit that kind of how humanity works. And that started giving us different ideas that, hey, maybe we were wrong about this. And some of the problems that we run into is in order to keep this mainstream academic timeline, we look at a lot of ancient cultures that we find and the people that are that go out there and are told, you know, OK, find out, gather evidence about these peoples and these races. Let's put it into our files. They're given the intent, explicit instructions of you can say whatever you want, but you have to use only this timeline and you can't suggest that anything else different in the timeline has happened. So yeah, that's go ahead. Yeah, the mainstream uh, or big archaeology uh, says that um, uh, the human civilization uh, emerged from the last ice age, uh, and, and this is called uh, Stone Age, um, by uh, creating weapons out of stones and so like like uh, tips for arrows and and all this. And they they deny that there was something before this uh, last ice age. Yeah, you know, th this is a good time. I want to bring that up. So a lot of us, uh, our listeners are familiar with the flood stories. So we have deluge stories from every culture all over the world. And one of the things that I wanted to make apparent, I just want to touch on this for a second, was what was called the Younger Dryas period. And if you look on, you can find a wiki page on it calling it Meltwater Pulse. And what that is, is the scientific way of tracking glacial melting over tens of thousands of years. So we've had global warming periods all over the place. It's happened time and time again. The Younger Dryas is considered meltwater pulse 1A and 1B. The reason we have so many flood stories and a lot of them seem to either overlap or match and some of them seem to be outside of that is because there was a particular time going back about anywhere from 10 to 15,000 years that we had a melting period of glacial melt of glacial melting and 
it brought up the water lines and the coastlines really, really fast. That became one of the flood stories. And what we're suggesting is, is that there was an advanced civilization here at that time that had their society ruined by this event. The thing was, not all of them died. Some of them had was survived and gone on to other land masses at the time, some of the more modern continents that we know. And within the next few hundred to thousand years, they had this happen again. So the issue that it seems that humanity ran into was there was two floods relatively close to each other, what we would say back to back in a, in a long enough timeline that happened you know, twice that caused these people to move and migrate. So each time we had an advanced society, but then these glacial melts happened, they were forced to move, they lost a slight amount of their technology, and then it happened again and we lost a little bit more. So it looks like what was happening was humanity itself was trying to recover from these two events and still to this day are trying to recover. Some of the evidence that we see for this is some of the or underwater cities. And we'll get into those in a little bit here. But it looks like at some point in time, there were some quite advanced civilizations on the planet that we don't have a lot of records about because it looks like their civilizations were destroyed and we lost most of that information. You guys want to chime in on that one? Yeah. I mean, when I was looking for the floodings, I found a lot, a lot uh, of examples uh, from from all uh, regions of the world where I think it cannot be a coincidence that uh, uh, every uh, culture has uh, its own flood myth. Like you, you find it in Gilgamesh, uh, uh, you find it, of course, in the Bible. Uh, the Tamil mythology has uh, uh, a flood uh, catastrophe. Uh, you had Doggerland, the the, the um, landmass between uh, Britain and and the European continent. Um, you you find it in the Jap in Japan with the uh, Yonoguni monument, which is one of the underwater cities we we talk later. You've got it in Chinese mythology, in Hindu mythology with the Rama's Bridge. Uh, you've got it in Celtic mythology, the Celtic legend of Leoness. Um, another one in 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 Hindu is Dwarka. Uh, then the uh, Bimini Road um, uh, uh, off the coast uh, of the Bahamas, um, um, yeah, and and that's that's uh, what I found. And it cannot be, in my opinion, a coincidence that you've got all over the world this uh, uh, um, uh, uh, mythologies, and uh, some are these uh, Bahamas and in in Japan. Uh, they really found these underwater uh, structures, and uh, yeah, like I said, it's more than a coincidence <clears throat> for me. Yeah, so just some more facts on that that I was when I was reading about it. I, what I uncovered, or uh, well, what I think um, was ha was actually three pulses. There was a uh, meltwater pulse A, B, and C, and so we had the last glacial maxim um, at, at around twenty thousand years ago. And what that is is it's when we have large ice sheets covering um, the all of our land and then that 
melts rapidly and then we get a sea rise. So that's when we lose the civilization. So uh, Meltwater Pulse, that was about 14,600 years ago. And there was a sea rise uh, of about 20 metres or 65 feet. And then you had uh, Meltwater Pulse B, which was 11,500 years ago. And that was a sea rise again of about 20 metres. And then there was another one at about 8,200 years ago. And that was a, a less of a um, rise in the, in the seawater, but, again, but it was still impactful. Um, but what I found interesting is when the archaeologists have found um, certain sites, they do actually line up with this. So it's just um, compounding the proof that you know these people did exist and the reason that they went or, or were um, non-existent after that period is because they got wiped out by these massive floods and maybe they couldn't have escaped um, to, to dry land. So I just find that very interesting and that we have the ability to go back and through ice cores and all all the other stuff that we do to find actually what happened like 20,000 years that's a long time um but yeah very interesting yeah you uh, know I mean, actually oh, sorry ralph go ahead uh, i mean look at the huge tsunami in asia a couple of years ago uh, if this would have happened 500 or 1000 years in the past uh, there would not be uh, like with mobile phones, uh, videos and stuff. We would just go there one day and we will, we would not see that there was a civilization. Yeah. Yeah, it would just be gone. Am I still there? I think I've been rugged. to set up civilizations uh, at the coast so if you had civilizations that did this and then you had a massive glacial melt an ice sheet melt you would have those cities covered but they wouldn't have traveled that far and they might have decided to pick up on the new coastline and yet they had another event that happened right after that i had one of our listeners ask me about uh, Atlantis. So I wanted to bring that up because Bra Ralph brought up Bimini Road and that was one that I wanted to touch on. So here's what we're speculating that had happened. So we had, excuse me, we had a few different stories come out of a few different places of lost civilizations and lands that aren't there anymore. So the three main ones were called Atlantis, Lemuria, and Mu. Those three existed. Atlantis in the center of the Atlantic Ocean was believed to be a continent. Lemuria was the same way. It was in the Pacific end of things. And Mu was a little bit closer to the Indian Ocean by Australia. It actually was believed to be an empire. So it did cross some of the dry land that we have now. And what's significant about these is that this is what, if you learned in like a regular school when we had, we did in America anyway, we learned about the Bering Straits. So there was a very close landmass between Alaska in North America, and I believe it's Siberia on the Russian side of Asia. 
and they were very close to each other. But we had stories of when the time when there was a land bridge there and people were able to cross back and forth. But then flooding took place and it broke apart that land bridge. So now it's split those two continents apart. A lot of similar stories happening with these particular these particular continents. And you know, Ralph, I actually know a little bit about that Benmini Road because I thought it was a really cool story. So here's what happened. It was at one point where off of the East Coast of America, <clears throat> there was a pilot in a small puddle jumper plane and he was flying over Bimini, which is, I believe, one of the Bahamian islands in the Caribbean. And he spotted a structure under the water. So they dove it and it turns out that it looks like a road was built there at some point. So again, we went into, you know, a lot of people went into the speculation of Atlantis and was there an actual continent that was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean? Well, it was a possibility. And it was also the possibility that not only did they have the issue of flooding, because that would have suggested that that continent might still be close enough to the surface to where we have, would have spotted it. But at that time that it actually had slid underneath the continent of the Americas, the tectonic plate of the Americas now. So when they looked at this road, it looked like this road would have been on the eastern side of Atlantis in the center of the ocean and not on the western side. So it kind of supported that theory. But we do have that particular road. I really like that example, Ralph. I'm glad you brought that one up. I mean, this is one of my favorite when it comes to Atlantis. Before we did the show, I saw the idea. This is just a, a nice story you can uh, tell people because it's exciting and uh, you you can let your imaginary run free. But uh, if you if you uh, dig deeper into the subject, there are really uh, um, evidences that something like this uh, existed. If it was really Atlantis or uh, however you want to call it, it doesn't matter, but uh, th th those structures exist. So you've got the facts down there. You, you can go there with the boat and dive and, and look. Yeah, and what I find interesting is the whole road thing. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you can read about roads that are, um, <clears throat> There's people have picked on that for, for good reason. Um, initially, we thought that the Romans sort of um, were the ones that invented roads because they, you know, had the wheel and they made the carts and they had to get from A to B, so they made a road. But there's been um, civilizations or, or places that have been found that are like 10 and 15,000 years old, way, way older than the Romans, and these guys have got roads. And there's also not road, just roads within the actual cities, but roads joining the different communities, so to speak. So as far and Turkey's a place for this in in and around Turkey, like Gobleki Tepe, that there's just not the one city. You've got other cities like satellite cities, and they're joined with roads, and that hints to the fact that even back then there was a mode of transport. Um, they haven't found what the mode of transport was, but maybe it was cars. Or uh, who knows? We we just don't know yet. I just find that very interesting that they they they're um, joining everything together with roads. Yeah, I yeah. You know what? Similar, I want a, sim a similar thing about the Mayan culture. 
and uh, their their mainstream uh, scientists say like oh yeah there there were roads but you know uh, they did not really use it for transportation because they could not uh, they did not have the wheel yet and then years later uh, our colleges in the region found toys which had wheels and then the, the scientists said yeah yeah it, it, it toys but they could not scale them up ha ha yeah <laughs> so, so of course they, they got to protect that narrative you know yes. yeah so basically what what i got out of research and all this if you did an archaeology degree you'd want your fucking money back because it's all bullshit because they, <laughs> you, you learn all this stuff there's you know, all these books you learn all i this wanted stuff. to you sit the exam. i wanted to bring this one up too because this one was something that we've touched on a few things now is Easter Island. And Bevo, what was the real name of Easter Island again? You had said that to me before. Oh, God, this um, Easter Island is the Rapa Nui. Rapa Nui? Rapa Nui. Rapa Nui. Yeah. So if anyone's familiar with Easter Island, it's in the Pacific, and it's pretty much out in the middle of nowhere. It has these really cool statues on it called Moai, and they're enormous. I mean, we're talking about 20-ton statues that these people carved out of the bedrock and stood upright, some of them on platforms and some of them just around the island. And we're almost out of, I think it was a 1,000 different statues of these things, and they're just massive. They're enormous. I mean, what it took to put these up were absolutely an outrageous amount of energy to get these things where they are. The thing is, when you look at this island, it's in the middle of nowhere. So when you start calculating out how many people can the island sustain, how long have people been there, and why the hell they would go through all of this trouble to make these statues. Now, aside from the fact that a lot of these statues have a ton of astronomical significance because of the directions they face, and it looks like a lot of our ancient peoples had... Uh, you know, um, they were very big in the equinoxes and solstices and matching, you know, the uh, times of year and the seasons. They were all very good at that. These guys did the exact same thing. Here's the thing with Rapa Nui and Easter Island was that the nearest landmass to Easter Island is south america and that's three thousand kilometers away so that was three thousand clicks and the mainstream tells us yeah well these guys you know they canoed to this place which is a bit outrageous because even if you wanted to do that i mean even if you were able to make the crossing the sheer amount of supplies you would have to bring not only the amount of food if you want to give them the, the benefit of the doubt and just say they fished along the way, fine, I'll give you that. But the amount of fresh water that they would have needed for this would have been so much weight in these canoes, it would have taken forever. And the other thing is, when they got there, how the hell did they know it was there? Unless they were going there specifically, otherwise you're really just paddling a canoe out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. But if you look at the <clears throat> maps, of the ancient people of Lumeria and what people thought that continent stretched far enough on each side to where it started butting up against the modern continents that we have now. So actually crossing the small pieces of waterway in between wouldn't have really been that hard. It wouldn't have taken them a long time. And if Lumeria was a continent in the Pacific Ocean, that Rapa Nui Island would have been part of it. You can see how that they would have had the amount of people that they needed and the amount of supplies, the amount of food sources and things like that to actually get there and do a project of that magnitude. 
Yeah. Yet, and what they, I they, wanted they, to bring up, Bevo, was when we spoke about trying to fit it in the mainstream media, they were trying to figure out how they moved these statues, these Moai, to their final resting places. So if you dig them out, if you carve them out of the ground, how do you get them to where they were? And again, with, they didn't want to say that this culture was advanced in any way. So they had teams of guys that would to have nothing but ropes, and that was it. And they found that they could sit there and rock one of them back and forth and make it look like it was just kind of waddling to the place. The thing is, are you really going to do that a thousand times and, and, and really risk ruining what you just pulled out of the ground by flattening it and dropping it? And on top of it, how the hell are you going to do this with the 40-ton statues when you can barely do it with one of the few-ton statues? Yes, yeah, so it basically the archaeology is a shit coin in the education system is what I think because they've got these narratives and they're collecting money from the people doing the degrees and then somebody finds something that debunks all of that and they just try and push back on it all the time. But the, 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 the information and the proof is, is there to be seen. Um, it's happen it happens time and time again. Yeah, you know, we were uh, discussing this a little while ago, and to get something, I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but in America, to get something changed in a education book to something more modernized takes almost a divine act. So what you run into is that you have these academics who they have a particular position, and that is their, I guess, their... Um, their self-worth, their purpose is to be able to teach, you know, the next generation and give them this information that they believe is the best information that they can give them. They're not doing this to get rich and they're definitely not getting famous. The problem is, is that when you start throwing stuff at them, that's contrary to what they have been teaching, it's showing that their entire understanding of this at some point is wrong. There was a very famous uh, argument that took place between a couple of people. One was a uh, the leading most expert in pyramid history in Egypt and someone else that wanted to have a debate with him about a few things. Now, the debate never happened, but he got very angry and somebody left one of the recorders rolling and you could hear him just absolutely screaming at the other guy before the debate took place. Because what he would have to say is my entire life's work is has been completely wrong and now i have to admit that i was just wrong the whole time and i have to you know it, it, uh add this new piece of evidence and they're just not willing to do it sometimes so you do run into that in the academic fields that's why we have such a hard time with some of these fines getting added to anything that's in our current education system yeah and it's um they're proliferating wrong information which is um which is kind of sad yeah but especially countries like egypt uh, um, they make a lot of money with uh, the history with prevent uh, preserving the history like it is because all the tourists are coming to uh, uh, check the pyramids because they think oh those are the graveyards of of the pharaohs which is um they never found uh, anything of it in the Great Pyramid, for example. 
Yeah, they had a lot of issues with that. There were a few things that ha- that have issues on the pyramids, and we discussed this uh, off to the side. But for our listeners, we were talking one night about how there are no scorch marks for any type of chemical burns for what would be torches. There's no torch holders inside the pyramid pathways. And the weirdest thing was there was no writing. So when you get into the Egyptian like um, religions and their particular like theologies and, and philosophies, they were really, really big on the afterlife. They had entire books and scrolls written of their what happens when you die. And there was, there's many of them that you can see now, like the scroll of Ani. They're, they're really important pieces of work in Egypt. Yet when you go into the pyramids that are supposedly for their, their burial places, you don't see any markings. And Egyptians were really good about this. I mean, they had an excellent form of, you know, of uh, recording events. They had really good hieroglyphics. A lot of them were colorized. I mean, they learned how to use different color inks and paints. So they took great pride in some of their stuff historically at that time, yet you don't see anything inside these tombs. And that would be the place that it would happen more than anywhere else. Yeah, that's very interesting. And the other thing too, just to go on that, like I think from memory the pyramids, let's just round figures, is about 2,500 years old. Yeah. Um, or thereabouts, I believe. And, you know, even growing up as a kid, you know, it was always the pyramids, the pyramids, the pyramids, and this is where it all started, yada, yada. But if you go and look at that, um, the the civilizations uh, civilizations that we've been just talking about, like um, Gebeki Tepe, that's eleven to 12,000 years old. So, yeah. um, it, and it doesn't get talked about like the pyramids so it goes to what ralph was saying is that is perpetuated by mainstream media and the um, universities because it's a money spinner yeah yeah you know if you want to bring that one up bevo that's a really good one if you want to fill everybody in on gobekli tepe that's a great story and what the the kind of damage that did to the mainstream narrative yeah i'm not not 100 percent full bottle on it but it was about 11 to twelve thousand years ago and there was con- um, like construction sites, like oval-shaped um, structure made of massive limestone pillars. And they had carvings and um, an- of animals, again, symbols. We've talked about symbols a lot on this show in the last few weeks. But um, And they had structures that had T-shaped pillars. Um, and they believed that the purpose of, of this place was like a, it's religious or ceremonial and then they had sites away from that, maybe where the people lived, but people may have congregated in the the actual, the main site. And then there, there was another strange thing that happened is that about 8,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago, sorry, uh, it was buried. The whole thing, they just it was like used as a tip. They just filled it full of rocks and rubble and dirt and whatever, filled it in, and then there was evidence that they found there was another site built not too far from that. So um, no one, well, not that I could find. There's a few theories, um, but no real concrete sort of theory as to why they sort of buried that and stopped it and then started again but this also gets back to what i was saying before how they had developed like 
what's the words, I guess you could say, community because you had cities and roads joining them together. So they had a, a, a you know, just a, like America, you've got cities and they joined together with roads and they had, they had commerce, they had all of that stuff. And this is, you know, 10,000 years before um, Egypt. And some of, the, some of the things that they built, like the stones, like how the hell, you know, 10,000 years ago, did they get such straight edges? Did they join these stones together? The stones are joined almost like they've been cut with a laser, um, the beveling on the stones. And then so they've found um, evidence of primitive tools, but these primitive tools probably weren't the ones that did the stones. But there's all these things that are showing that this was quite an advanced civilization, um, and it was ten thousand years ago. And I guess being that it's so long ago, um, we're probably never going to know because all the, the a lot of the stuff that we need to prove what they did and didn't do is gone. We'll never probably get it back. It's all just speculation. So yeah, what do you got on it? You want to know? You've done some work on it as well. You know, actually, yeah, uh, not too much. But to back up what you were saying there, and to give everybody an idea, the time. This is why this was so uh, upsetting when this particular place was uncovered. Was this was coming from a culture of people in a time where they were supposed to be hunter gatherers, and they were setting up agricultural societies. But what was more important about this was. They also weren't supposed to have any form of mathematics or writing of any kind. So we still believed that these people were wholly uneducated as far as that goes. There's no way they would have been able to construct a site like this without that. Aside from just the organizational skills that they would have needed, they definitely would have had to have had some type of understanding of just a base mathematics in any way to be able to put this stuff together so it didn't fall, I guess you could say. And we see this around the world also when you were talking about how they constructed these walls. In a lot of places, especially in South America for some reason, you can see that the ancient sites down there were constructed really, really good and it looks like later on down the line, much further down the line, there, there was an attempt at repairing some of them that had fallen over. And it looked like the newer construction wasn't as good as the older construction. Yeah. What it suggested was that somebody else had gone in there, another civilization afterwards, and tried to put it back together. But it, it, it looks like the technology went backwards at that point in time. So that civilization that originally was there, for whatever reason, they left. And the same thing with Gobekli Tepe. We don't know why these guys buried this thing. They put a lot of time and effort into this. And then all of a sudden said, hey, guys, you know what? You know what we're going to do? We're all going to leave this place. But before we go, we're just going to shit and the whole thing and bury it. Yeah, and you don't know. It could have been that there was another civilization you know, just think, say, like the Romans invading England or something like that. There could have been another civilization that they were at war to and they lost. And so the conquerors just said, this is this is crap. We're going to fill it all in and, and take over the rest of it. You, you just don't know. There's a myriad of reasons why they could have done it. But, um, yeah, it's interesting that this these building and construction techniques, like you said, existed I think the oldest that we've sort of found is, you know, up to 20,000 years ago. And there's no, 
before that, there's no leading to how they develop because you don't just go from a caveman to being able to make that stuff. There's got to be a progression, right? And you've got to find stuff that is you know built more rudimentary, so to speak, and then an improvement on that, etc., etc., etc. But we don't seem to be able to find the lead up to these types of construction methods. So there is that, and it raises the seed of doubt that there was maybe people from another galaxy have visited and just did this shit and made it up and helped gave us a bit of a kickstart or that the stuff that's primitive was wiped out by an event that we don't know about yet you know whether it was another asteroid hitting and just wiped everything out and burnt everything and turned everything to dust um who knows but there's definitely the point that we don't know period we just don't know you know, there I mean, what, is uh, what well, I found uh, very interesting was that uh, uh, they had a deep understanding of, of astronomy on those pillars they found uh, at, at yep. this site. There, there were exact uh, star constellations w which lead to um, uh, the time when they were created. Because uh, you had to observe the night sky and you had to know what you observe to to uh, put the exact uh, location of the stars in line of uh, on those pillars. Yeah, that's another way of also um, validating the the date that the thing came from because these celestial bodies shift over time. Yeah, as as things move. And so when they studied those constellations that were carved into the rocks, as I think it works, they were able to date, well, when the constellations were in this alignment, that would have been arbitrary figure 10,500 years ago was the last time that that happened. So it was another concrete um, way of, of proving the timelines. And it's interesting that it's not just in one area. All these... Um, crazy buildings and structures and, and cities that they're discovering um, all have these links to it, to the stars, to the astronomy. And the mathematics new one that you brought up, it, it all ties together, the mass and the astronomy and, and how they've structured their buildings and the things they're using within the buildings to point to different um, constellations, etc. which I, don't, I can't wrap my head around if you think back if it was 15,000 years ago, how did this stuff get replicated in much the same way on the op opposite side of the planet in the same Yeah, yeah some, you know, some, unless... uh, some, some pillars tell stories which even go then 2,000 years into the past from where uh, the site was built. So, uh, yep. And and you you can of course through astronomy you you can uh, it's like a timestamp on on these pillars where they tell a story of a civilization which got wiped out by a flood again. Yep. Or a and big through, or an asteroid. Yeah. The, yes. And and this is highly fascinating that they uh, know about these stories and they know exactly how uh, the constellation of the stars where when this happened so they they could add a, a timeline to this story yeah so what what you're saying is how the hell did that that information from 2000 if if the the building was 15000 years ago and they're telling a story from 2000 years prior to that how did that information transfer 
transfer um, over that 2,000 years and how the hell did they have the mathematics and the astronomy ability to carve into stone the celestial alignments of that date 2,000 years ago? Crazy. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. It's You know, there was a couple of things I wanted to throw in here, Bevel. One of them was as far as you were talking about on the lines of catastrophe of what happened to these civilizations, I did find something interesting a while back on pottery. So when there was a... Uh, another theory that they had a pole shift. There was a pole shift on the planet and that was catastrophic enough to break up quite a few of the modernized civilizations. And one of the pieces of evidence that, that led to a pole shift was when you cast pottery, it actually has a magnetic pole. So if you cast really? it in the Northern hemisphere, it'll have its pole pointing north. And if you cast it in the Southern hemisphere, it'll have its pole pointing south. But right, they've right, dug right. up some of these ancient civilizations and found in the Southern hemisphere, a lot of these potter, a lot of this pottery that's been tested has a magnetic polarity that points to the north when it shouldn't because of the part of the earth that it's been in. So there was suggested that the poles had shifted at one point in time. And when these people were casting their pottery, things were completely the opposite. That was one of the uh, catastrophe theories was a pole shift. Dude, like you back the horse up. What? I mean, the only thing I know about pottery is the movie ghost with Patrick Swayze, you know, that thing. Um, What the, a pot has a magnetic pole. What are you metals about? inside the metals that are trapped inside the ceramic will have um, a polarity pole to it, just like a magnet. Okay. Just like when you make a regular magnet. Okay. Okay. I, I guess I get that. And yeah. Okay. So the only other um, solution was that it it was uh, cast somewhere somewhere else on the planet and was transported to that place. And transported. And yeah. the reason why they didn't think that was because there was so much of it that it would it would have said, yeah, somebody transported massive amounts of this pottery to this region. Didn't really sound like a viable reason or like explanation for that when they could have just made it where they were, you know? Mm, yeah. No, I couldn't. If, if we're going to, if we're going to assume that 15, 20,000, 40,000, 50,000 years ago, there was advanced civilizations even more advanced than what we are and that have been wiped out by a catastrophic event like being hit by another asteroid or what have you, um, they could have been way, way, way more advanced than, than we are today. But we just don't and- know. So they could have had trade routes and they could have had whatever. Who knows? And actually, that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up next also was if you look at we hear a lot about Atlantis because of where we are in the world. So we have a lot of speculation on that. But if you look at some of the stories about Lemuria, Lemuria had different historical stories. And again, everybody writes these up as myth. But what it looked like was to them that. In the early days, there were highly advanced civilizations before all of the meltwater pulses. And these uh, particular sets of humans, they actually use them as a mark series. So they believe that they were the fourth series of humans and we are the fifth groups of, of human beings to be on the planet. But in their time, they were very, very highly advanced. And one of the 
the stories went was that there was actually a war between Atlantis and Lumeria because they had a difference of opinion on how to handle things. And if you look at the map that they used with those continents there and the Mu Empire, what was happening was there were still some small outskirts of little pieces of society, but they were in the lesser known regions. So what I'm suggesting here is, is that just like today, we have modernized first world countries, and then we still have pockets of um, smaller groups of people that are more tribal, I guess you could say. Well, there's a similar story in their history that they went to war with, with each other over the fact that they had a difference of should we bring our technology to the more uneducated and less advanced peoples of the planet? Atlantis said, yes. Lumeria said, no, we should let them develop in their at their own speed because their society will uh, mature at the rate that their technology matures. Atlantis said, no, we should just give everything to everybody. They went to war a- about this and it was uh, very catastrophic enough to ruin both societies and most of the world in the process. That's where we start getting into vitrification. Vitrification is when you heat rocks enough to turn it into glass. So the amount of energy needed to do that, the only thing we have even close to it right now is nuclear power. But apparently they had it in the past because we see a lot of these cities that have damage that's been done to them where the rocks have been vitrified. And we don't know of any technology that they would have had to do this. So if this story was even slightly accurate, what we run into is humans were extremely advanced quite a long time ago. We had a few different catastrophic events that took place. The lesser advanced tribes were in the areas that we're in now in the modern continents. These particular civilizations tried to find refuge here but they taught as much as they could forward, but didn't have the infrastructure to be able to carry it on. And some of them believed that the lesser advanced peoples of the planet shouldn't have had it at that time. So they just kept it to themselves. That was one of the old Lemurian stories that would explain how we've had incredibly advanced civilizations in the past and don't have them now. So what it looks like happened was humanity isn't at, we believe through school that we are at the apex of you know our intelligence right now. We, we are the smartest we've ever been. But it looks like some of the evidence in the past archeologically doesn't support that. So there could have very well been the fact that humans were super advanced compared to what we are now and threw out a couple of different catastrophes and a couple of different wars and skirmishes, we really set our back ourselves back quite a bit. So let me ask you this. What's your interpretation of way more advanced than us? G- g- give if, me Extrapolate yeah. on that a bit, because like, that's a fairly uh, broad um, comment, and I know sort of where I sit, but I'm just interested to know where you sit on that. You know, I I can bring up a couple of things, and this is one of the uh, episodes that we had before. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, One of them, which would have fallen into the Mu Empire, would have been a lot of stories that were similar to the Bhagavad Gita, and that was part of a much larger uh, section of books. It was one of the, uh, I believe it was the Indian culture that carries this particular philosophy. But in there, thank you, Ralph, in there, 
they have stories of flying machines. And not only that, they're incredibly detailed to the point where it's not, it doesn't look like somebody who was just drawing it was making up a story. It actually looks like somebody who was drafting this as a blueprint. So I would suggest that there was a possibility that there were flying machines at that time. The other thing that I ran into that was interesting that we had spoken about at one other point in time was, we don't know exactly what they were using here, but uh, the Atlantean uh, peoples had stories that were given through the Lemurian history when they wrote about them, that they were using a particular way to store energies that we weren't familiar with, but they were doing it with a material we were familiar with. And that was when we were saying different types of crystalline structures. So we had spoken on a different uh, nest once before and in a different episode where every type of different crystalline rock will carry a frequency, it will hold a certain amount of energy, it can be charged and discharged at different times. They were talking about using that as their primary source of energy because it makes a lot more sense than what we're using as you know things that we, that, that it's a commodity energy it eventually runs out. We, we don't have it once we've used it. What they were suggesting was they were using different forms of a crystalline structure to make their, let's call them cars, to make their cars go because it could hold a certain amount of energy before it had to get recharged, but you never had to change it and you never ran out of it. So when I say advanced civilization, I'm talking about a civilization that's more advanced than we are now with some of the similar things that we have now. So flying machines, transportation that could take them from one place to the other that might have been on the ground, different stuff like that. And all of this would the, the main thing that you would need to be able to do this was a form of communication. And it seems like that communication was there because of when we were talking about the Nazca lines, we also find different forms of animals that were in different places where the, it wasn't in a, a place where those animals were indigenous too. So it looked like the communication went back and forth. So what I'm saying is highly advanced is possibly let's call it a century from where we are now. And if we think of the episode that we did with alternative energies, they didn't have any restrictions on their energies. So they were able to use anything that they wanted to use and think of where we would be right now if we had done that. That's my impression of when I say that. What is yours? It's, it's great that you brought up Bhagavad Gita. Because, uh, you know, Oppenheimer, after the first successful test of the atomic bomb uh, in 1945, quoted uh, something fr from this book. Uh, and, and he said, like, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Yeah, that and, was and the it's, most it's... important. Yeah, that was the most important thing. He was very familiar with the Bhagavad Gita texts. He knew exactly the stories that were in it. Those stories tell of wars that happened with machines that flew. And they also talk about a highly advanced weaponry that could wipe out entire cities. And when he saw what he had created, that's the first thing it reminded him of was, we've done this in the past. Yes, that, that, that this quotes you so good to what he sees. It's incredible because the, the, this, uh, 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 this Hindu uh, script... Uh, Uh, written in Sanskrit, this is it's it's way it's it's so uh, ancient 
that um, it's it's amazing that it suits so well to to such a modern uh, weapon. You know, I will throw this little piece in also, Ralph. In Las Vegas, they have the Atomic Testing Museum. And when you first go into the Atomic Mus Testing Museum, that's the first thing you see on the wall is that quote by him. Huh. I haven't been to that, actually. I might have to do that next time I go there. I guess um, I asked you that question, you one, about what's your interpretation of it. Uh, I guess my interpretation is that we in the current age that we're in always try to correlate what they may have had or didn't have with how we have developed and what we use. And so there's a disconnect there. For example, were they using um, fungus to communicate? We all know that you know fungus sends out the stuff in the ground and maybe they had a, a communication network across the whole continent using a fungal network not not copper wires or or what have you just so things that are so um far removed from what we know and understand that it doesn't make any sense and yet that would put them more advanced than what we were but we don't I look... mean, this makes sense because if you take uh, such a fungi, uh, uh, this is one big organism yeah. which can spread over... A whole continent. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that could have been the, the, the communication and they had a way of, of tapping into the, to the fungal network as their communication. So, you know, things like that um, blow me away. But I've come to a point in, in my... Um, sort of investigation or understanding of it is that there were advanced um, civilizations way back but I there isn't well there hasn't been uncovered that we've been let known of any lead up to these advanced um, civilizations so there's to me there's only two possibilities it was developed from scratch on planet earth and we just haven't found it yet, or it was destroyed by such a catastrophic event that it's never going to be found, or there was people that came from elsewhere, being um, aliens, I guess we'll call them, for want of a better word. You, you mean Anunnaki? Yeah. And we need to do a show on that, Ralph. Yes. <laughs> yeah. it, and it, this is a great story too, yes. Yeah, and th they came and gave us a, or gave those um, civilizations, whether it be 15, 20, 30, 40,000 years ago, gave them a kickstart and gave them the tools. But we do not yet, it, we, this is the thing that does my head in, we have no way yet proved how they made these structures with such perfect lines without any sort of modern tools that we understand today. That, that is a question that just it does my head in. And the use of mathematic, mathematics and astronomy to create these buildings and the way they aligned and do time stamps with astronomy like Ralph was talking about that span two, three, four, five thousand years, that, that's insanity to me. I mean, it, Oh, it, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. Because we think we're the top of the, you know, top of the food chain here, yeah. and yet these guys were doing stuff way, way more advanced than we are now. Yeah, and and probably that's the that's the thing that uh, uh, we always look at the whole uh, history of human beings uh, from our perspective. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, 
And, and pr probably this is this is the problem in this whole uh, concept how we understand history. Yeah, I... uh, because we think it's a progress where uh, every generation uh, is advanced uh, compared to the generation before. Yeah, and maybe it's not like this. I don't think it is. I'm pretty convinced yeah. it's not. <laughs> to be honest, it um, it was wiped out for whatever reason by whatever method. At some point, there's a discontinuance of that, and we've started from scratch again. Um, and our alien friends didn't come back and give us a kickstart. We've had to start right from the bottom, and this is where we've ended up. And then we've got a ways to go. It's um, the way I see it. So, yeah, you know, Bebo and Ralph, I'd like to uh, – with this one, we were talking about civilizations that were pretty old and catastrophes that happened quite a long time ago for us. But next time I wanted to talk about Tartaria and uh, go from there, uh, something a little bit more modern as far as uh, lost empires go. I think that would be a really good one. But that's all I have for tonight. Yeah. Okay, Ralph. Yeah, I'm looking forward, forward for, to the next episode. Hmm. Because it is connected to what we did today, and it's it's uh, it's very uh, fascinating as well. Yeah. Well, again, I'd like to thank everybody for showing up today and, and listening to our ramblings. Um, you guys are appreciated. Um, and to all the people that will be listening to us on their various podcast um, sites, thanks again for coming back. So um, we're humbled that you guys show up and, and afford us your time on a weekly basis or whatever it is so we that's not lost on us and we appreciate it so we'd like to to thank you guys for coming and so from us here on conspiracy dimensions that's about it for today so again thanks for coming and bye for now